so thankful for this time of the year because it causes us to look at our Lord and think on all that He has done for us. Many of you have heard by now of the pastor who was taken into custody in, by the Chinese government this week, uh, Pastor Wang Yi. How many of you have read the article? Raise your hand if you read the article. So, not all of you. Some of you haven't. So, if you want a copy of that, you can text me or something. I'll get you a copy of it. By, by God's grace, this pastor wrote a letter explaining his, circumstancing, his circumstances and exhorting his government to reconsider arresting him. They are cracking down in the communist country of China on the house church movement and those that follow uh, Christ and uh, preach from the Bible and won't submit to the government's uh, church. They have an established government church where they kind of dictate what you can say and what you can't say. Uh, but the house church movement's being cracked down on. And this gentleman uh, wrote a letter. He penned it and had it released after 48 hours after he had been in, um, held in custody. Uh, all of us need to pray for this pastor and his wife, who was also taken into custody, along with a hundred other members of their church that were taken into custody. I want to read a little bit of Pastor Yi's declaration. It will help to set the stage for our passage today. I find it interesting how... Uh, similar the circumstances are for the Apostle Paul that wrote 2 Timothy and how a lot of what he says is uh, it just echoes the same truths. The pastor stated this, quote, on, on the basis of the teaching of the Bible and the mission of the gospel, I respect the authorities God has established in China. For God deposes kings and raises up kings. This is why I submit to the historical and institutional arrangements of God in China. As a pastor of a Christian church, I have my own understanding and views based on the Bible about what righteous order and good government is. At the same time, I'm filled with anger and disgust at the persecution of the church by this communist regime at the wickedness of their depriving people of the freedom of religion and of conscience. But changing social and political institutions is not the mission I have been called to. And it is not the goal for which God has given His people the gospel. For all the hideous realities and unrighteous politics and arbitrary laws... Reveal the cross of Jesus Christ, the only means by which every Chinese person must be saved. They also must manifest the fact that true hope in a perfect society will never be found in the transformation of any earthly institution or culture, but only in our sins being freely forgiven by Christ in the hope of eternal life. As a pastor, my firm belief in the gospel, my teaching, and my rebuking of all evil proceeds from Christ's command in the gospel and from the unfathomable love of that glorious king. Every man's life is extremely short, 
And God fervently commands the church to lead and call any man to repentance who is willing to repent. Christ is eager and willing to forgive all who turn from their sins. This is the goal of all the efforts of the church in China. To testify to the world about our Christ. Wow. And he concludes with these words. Jesus is the Christ, son of the eternal living God. He died for sinners and rose to life for us. He is my king and the king of the whole earth yesterday, today, and forever. I am his servant and I am in prison because of this. I will resist in meekness those who resist God and I will joyfully violate all laws that violate God's law. The Lord's servant, Pastor Wang Yi. Hmm. It echoes these words that we're reading in 2 Timothy. 2,000 years later, that message continues on and on and on. Much like the Apostle Paul, I find these words so encouraging. The pastor is standing firm for the truth. He's facing impossible circumstances and persecution, but he's holding on. What would the Apostle Paul write to Pastor Yi? What would he say? It would be the same things he tells Timothy today in our passage. Hang in there. Hold on to the gospel. Endure to the end. Persevere, persevere for the truth. The same things Paul tells Timothy, he would tell Pastor Yi, and he would tell us. Hang in there. Today, Paul continues this letter of encouragement to his son in the faith, Timothy. We saw the servant of Christ must be completely focused on the Lord Jesus last time. We must be like the good soldier, dedicated to pleasing our master. Dedicated like an athlete, committed to following the rules of the game. And the hard-working farmer who delights in producing joy and the, the furtherance of the gospel. Now today, the main message is endure. Hang in there, Timothy. Don't give up. Endure through any and all circumstances that come our way. Abide in Christ under even the most intense of sufferings and persecutions. Now you say, well, Pastor Mike, I'm not suffering. Well, that's good news. We all are going through our various trials and difficulties, though, aren't we? And the same truths apply for our circumstances. No, our trials might not be like Pastor Yee's and his wife and what they're going through. But our trials are real trials. They are real difficulties. And the enemy has the same goal for all of us. Listen closely. Give up. Deny Christ. Take the easy way out. Look for a compromise even if it means denying the truth. The enemy's attack is the same. He wants that in all of us. He wants us to give up. He wants us to compromise. He wants us to not follow through. So how do we survive? 
How do we endure as the pressure rises? How do we suffer and maintain our testimony? How do we continue to obey and seek holy boldness in the face of trials and difficulties? Well, that's what our passage today answers. Look with me at 2 Timothy 2, verses 8 to 13. 2 Timothy 2, verses 8 to 13. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descended of David according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. It is a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Let's pray. Father, what a word. What an encouragement. Help us, Lord, to understand it. Father, we do pray for this pastor in China right now and all of those that were taken. We pray for those that are being persecuted. We pray that you give them the boldness and the courage and the strength to stand firm to the end. Lord, we are humbled by their sacrifice. We recognize that our sacrifice and our sufferings pale in comparison but we know, Lord, that you still love us too, and you are faithful to work in us also. So we pray that you will use us for your glory. We pray that the gospel will go out from us today, tomorrow, and the rest of our lives. We pray now that as we look at your word, that you will help us to understand it, help us to apply it, help us to rejoice in this word and then to go out of this place changed by your word and living for your glory. We love you. We need you. We rejoice in you, our faithful Father. We pray this in your name. Amen. What a passage. Let's pray for this guy this week, okay? his wife, and his church, and those that are suffering. Today, Paul gives us three ways to endure for Christ in the wicked world. We'll see by remembering the gospel, by living to see others obtain salvation, and by trusting in the person and work of God. Not complicated right from the text. Let's dive in. First... How do we hang in there? How do we do this? How do we survive? How do we endure? How do we persevere? First, by remembering the gospel. Look again at verse 8 and 9. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. 
So Paul starts here with another one of his commands in this letter. A command that's a present command. A command that should, is a continuous command. It is something that we shouldn't just do one time. It's something that we should continue to do. It's remember Jesus Christ. You can translate it, be remembering continually Jesus Christ. Remember Him. Remember Jesus. So who's the object? Jesus Christ. It's very interesting. As we go through this book, this is the first time that Paul reverses the order. Instead of Christ Jesus, he says Jesus Christ. So why does he do this? Why do most of the translations get this right and some don't? Why is it important? Well, it's important for this reason. Because he's focusing in on the person of Jesus. Focusing in on what Christ has done. His Savior status. That's the emphasis. Jesus means God saves. And now he focuses in on the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the good news for the cursed world, isn't he? He's good news for us who already believe too, isn't he? You say, Mike, you've said this numerous times already. As you're going through 2 Timothy, you're repeating yourself over and over. Well, no, Paul is, but I want to repeat it to you because it's our remembering who Jesus is and what he's done that keeps us going, doesn't it? Knowing who he is and what he's done for us, that he is our Savior, that he's our Messiah, that's what keeps us going. We endure because of him. And that's what Paul's saying, look back to Jesus. It's always that. The message is the same. You could really summarize all of our messages into that, couldn't you? Remember Jesus Christ. In these verses, we see the gospel is parallel or synonymous with the Word of God. You see at the beginning, he says, remember Jesus Christ. And he says, according or as to my gospel. And then he ends with, but the Word of God is not imprisoned. That means that all those things are synonymous. That the message of Jesus Christ is the gospel. And it's also the Word of God. So what do we believe? What do we remember? What do we think on? What do we meditate on? What do we abide in? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Notice the two elements here that summarize the entire gospel. You could summarize it. We were talking a little bit today in in Sunday school about uh, not wanting to leave out anything in our gospel presentation. We, We talked a little and we're a little afraid that we might say something or miss something. Well, how about this for a summary? Jesus Christ, remember Jesus Christ, the one who rose from the dead and is a descendant of David. How many of you, by raise of hands, raise your hand high. The last time you shared the gospel said, Jesus is the descendant of David. I am unbelievable. Why would you leave that out? You left it out. Hmm. Very interesting. He summarizes it, the gospel, that way, doesn't he? Paul summarizes the gospel that way. Matter of fact, he summarizes it that way in other places, as we'll see. But the focus, like we say, that Jesus is risen from the dead. This is pointing to his Savior status. That he was the one who died, and he is the one that lives. He bodily resurrected. 
Jesus died to atone for sin. He was placed in a grave and rose three days later from the dead. Jesus is not just a good religious man. Jesus is not still in the feeding trough. Jesus is alive. He died and he rose from the dead. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He gives life, doesn't he? Look at 2 Timothy 1.10. 2 Timothy 1.10. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished what? Death. And brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This is good news indeed, beloved. Life is possible for dead sinners like us. Because Jesus is alive. Life now and into the future when the final resurrection happens. Jesus is alive. So we can be alive in Christ. That's good news. Second, Jesus is called the Christ here. The title means the anointed one of Israel, the Messiah. This means Jesus is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant promises. That God made to David in 2 Samuel 7 where he says there will be one who will reign on your throne forever. That's a promise. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that. As Paul states, he is a descendant of David. Again, we often fly over this truth in our own gospel presentations. We talk about how Jesus is the Savior. We talk about how Jesus is the Lord. But Paul often highlights in his gospel presentation that Jesus is the Christ, the title as the Messiah, and therefore in the line of David. Look over at Romans chapter 1. He does this in Romans chapter 1 concerning his son, talking about the gospel, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. Friends, this is a truth that we often skip over, but it's a fact that Paul emphasizes and tells Timothy to remember. Remember, he's a descendant of David. Well, what's the big deal? Why focus on Jesus being a descendant of David? As we're finding out in our Jesse Tree devotions, as we're going through with the church, those that are getting those, and if you want to get them and you're not getting them, you can get with me and I'll get them to you. We're seeing that Jesus is the fulfillment of all God's promises. All that God had promised about a Messiah to come. That is great news. That Jesus is a descendant from David, the Jesse Tree, that In the root of Jesse, Jesse is David's father, that through David would become a king, that Messiah. As Isaiah prophesies, look over in Isaiah chapter 11. In Isaiah chapter 11, 700 years before Jesus shows up, 700 years, look. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. What is that? That's the Messiah. Jesse's David's father. David's already come, died, and gone. Isaiah's talking after David. 
Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not be not judged by what he's, his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But the righteousness will he or but with righteousness he will judge the poor, and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. And also righteousness will be the belt around his loins and faithfulness the belt about his waist. Who is this? This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is the one who is the descendant of David. This is the one who is from the root of Jesse. And one day his final fulfillment of all of this will happen. By the way, right after that it says, and then the lion will lay down with the lamb. There is a day coming when Jesus Christ will rule and reign here on earth. I know it. He's the righteous one. Jesus is the king of Israel. The promises of David in the Davidic covenant are fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus will rule on David's throne in Jerusalem one day. He is the king who is coming to reign on earth. He came to save, yes. He saved through his death and resurrection. He will one day come and reign. And all who are his servants will reign with him, as we will see. So Paul exhorts Timothy, remember Jesus Christ the Savior, and the Messiah. This is how we endure this tragic world, by remembering Jesus, by remembering the good news of Jesus Christ. Is it enough just to remember Jesus? Absolutely. He's everything. As we meditate and we think about eternity and realize that He is the Lord, He is the Savior, He is the God-man who came into the world to die for us and to rise from the dead and to give us hope of an eternity. We can endure anything. Look, Paul says it. Look. Whoops. Love it when that happens. There it is. Look. For which I suffer, for which, for which I suffer hardship even to imprisonment as a criminal. For the gospel? For the good news of Christ? Which I suffer hardship even imprisonment as a criminal? He explains that this truth of who Jesus is drives everything that he does. And he's able to endure anything, even imprisonment even imprisonment as a criminal. We see horrific mistreatment here of someone who was innocent in the, of any charges. It is the stand for the gospel that was the cause for Paul's imprisonment and him being called a criminal. Most of the time, 
anybody in America most of the time, not always, but most of the time when people go to jail, they go because they are truly criminals. But this is a case where someone went to jail, not for actually doing anything wrong, for doing what is right, standing for the truth. But was it all worth it for Paul? Is it all worth it for Pastor Yi? Absolutely it is. Why? Because he knew it was for the progress of the gospel. And though he was in prison, the word of God was not chained. Do you realize this is happening right now? And this is what happened when Paul was around. This is so exciting. Do you understand what's happening here? Paul was in prison. What was happening? The word was still going out. The gospel was still going. Why are we here today, beloved? Because the gospel was unchained. Because that message of Christ continued on. We're here because Christ saved us. And the good news is, as though Pastor Yi is in prison, the word of God is still what? Going out. God's word the gospel cannot be chained. It can't be stopped. Isn't that good? We know that the word of God, the power of the gospel, is transforming lives even today, all the time. It's transforming our lives, isn't it? Jesus Christ is alive. And pulpits all over the world today are proclaiming Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is the Savior. Repent and believe in Him. Wow, God, right? And one day, He's going to step out. It's going to be a great day when the Lord Jesus returns. And all of His enemies will become His footstool. And all of us will what? Rejoice, for the righteous king will reign. (laughs) I can't wait. And the proof that the word of God is unchained is every believer in this room. Hmm. We are here today because the gospel has given life to us who are dead in sin. We're alive because of the person and work of Jesus. The gospel was preached to us, and we were brought to life by that message, weren't we? And we're here because of him, aren't we? And we're living and being sanctified by that same message. And yet Paul tells Timothy, remember him. Remember Jesus Christ. Why? So Timothy will persevere. So he will endure. See, it's the message of Jesus that keeps us going, no matter what the circumstances are. The world tells us the way you keep going is by all these other things. But what keeps us who believe going is Jesus. It's that simple. It's that great. It's that profound. It's him. 
We abide under whatever this world throws at us because we know Jesus Christ. We know He loves us, don't we? We know He died for us. We know He has given life to us in Him. And we're ready to hang on because we remember Him. And so the Word echoes forth from us to Pastor Yi, to other believers in China, to other believers all over the world. I have to admit this little phrase, the Word of God is not imprisoned. As I was sitting at Epcot on Monday watching, I know that's not an embrace of Disney. Don't go off the deep end. Look, I'm just telling you, it was a very, very clear presentation of the gospel. It was amazing. Read the story and I looked around and I was like, you got to be kidding me. They're talking about Jesus being the God-man, born of a virgin, who died and rose from the dead. Wow! Where am I? No way! This is the fake happiest place on earth. But Jesus Christ is Lord. Because the gospel cannot be chained. God's word goes out. If Balaam's donkey can cry out fear of an angel, God can use even the rocks to cry out. Jesus Christ is Lord. And all of us say, that's good news, isn't it? <laughs> wow! <laughs> we, walk, we all walk through the mall and see all this materialism going crazy and the hallelujah chorus breaks out. I'm supposed to stand now and just stand here and worship God. You're playing the hallelujah chorus in the mall. And he shall reign forever and ever. <laughs> it's like you want to just scream out, don't you? Are you like me? You're like, yeah, they're talking about my Lord. <laughs> yeah. Hey, stop, stop. Don't move. Don't, no, 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 no. Wait. Listen. Listen. Unchained word of God. It's not, it's not imprisoned. And it keeps us going, doesn't it? We're like, we're like Ronaldo, right? When you see him when he goes, Jesus saves. We're just like him, aren't we? Deep in our hearts, Jesus saves. And it keeps us going, doesn't it? We hang in there. Second, by living to see others obtain salvation. What keeps us going? What makes us endure? By living to see others obtain salvation. Notice in verse 10, for this reason, for the reason that the gospel cannot be chained, and for the reason that I endure hardship for the gospel, for the gospel, 
For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen. Uh Uh-oh, why did he bring election in here? He does. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, the elect, so that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus and with it eternal glory. For this reason, what reason? For the reason that the good news of Jesus Christ is unstoppable. For the reason that the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news indeed. For this reason, Paul endures all things. He perseveres through all kinds of pain and mistreatment. But there is a purpose in his endurance of all these things. Another reason or a purpose that he continues on. Why does he endure? Why does Paul stay focused? Why does he keep fighting the good fight? Why does he keep going? Well, it's a twofold purpose. One is to advance and glorify the Lord Jesus, the one who he's remembering, but also so what Paul emphasizes here, for the sake of those who are elect, for the sake of those who are the chosen of God. Paul endures pain, mistreatment, persecution, shame for the ones God chose before the foundation of the world. So does this mean he knows who the elect are? No, that's not what he's saying here. He's not saying, oh yeah, there's this one guy over here that's the elect, and there's this other guy over in the other part of the country that's the elect. He doesn't know that. He's not assuming that. He's just saying that I work for those that are God's. I endure these things for those that are God's chosen ones. We don't know the mind of God. We don't know those things, but we continue on. We endure for those that do become his own. Because God chose them before the foundation of the world. Once again, we we see the two rails of God's sovereignty, but also what? Man's responsibility. We see it in this verse. For it says, for the sake of those who are chosen, that they could obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. You have the idea that they must receive or obtain the salvation, but you also know that what? God is sovereign over their salvation. That God is the elector. He's the one that chooses. God's sovereign over election. Mankind is responsible. God elects, however, God works through the means of sinners, obtaining salvation through faith in Jesus, through the message of the gospel. Be careful, beloved, just on the side note, just be careful that you don't try to play God in figuring out who the elect are. Preach the gospel to every single soul, trusting the Lord to bring about salvation. That's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, I endure all this so that many or those that are chosen by God can obtain salvation. He didn't know, but he kept going. Sad to hear of those that go into the hyper-Calvinistic mindset. The hyper-Calvinistic mindset that says, Well, God will choose who he chooses, and I'm just going to sit in my house and do nothing and share the gospel with nobody. There are good, godly theologians that got to this place by the end of their life. 
assuming that everybody wasn't the elect. That's sad. The Word of God is unchained. It's, it's, it can't be chained. God is building His church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Or will, yes, will not prevail against it. So Paul endured by living for others to come to Christ in faith. His life was lived for the salvation of other souls. <laughs> Friends, isn't this what should keep us going too? Why do you get up in the morning? Well, first, because you remember who? Jesus Christ. But second, you get up so that you can see others come to know Christ. Do you go to your workplace to see others come to know Christ? Do you do whatever role God in His providence has given you so that others will come to know Christ? That's why we live, don't we, beloved? That's why we endure. Again, this implies that we must be others-focused. We've got to be thinking about other people, not ourselves all the time. We've got to be thinking about others coming to know Christ, not just ourselves. By the way, a good understanding of who Christ is drives us to be what? Selfless, others-focused, because he was others-focused. For us. Friends, this is what keeps us going. We must have our friends and neighbors, hearts and minds all the time. We must have their souls on our hearts. We must live to rescue people from hell. To help them know the saving power of Jesus. You know, I hear these same echoes from Pastor Yeesworth. Another quote from him, listen. Quote, if God decides to use the persecution of this communist regime against the church to help more Chinese people despair of their futures, to lead them through a wilderness of spiritual disillusionment, and through this to make them know Jesus, if through this he continues disciplining and building up his church, then I am joyfully willing to submit to God's plans, for His plans are always benevolent and good. End quote. His plans are always benevolent and good as you are put in prison? Wait. That's good? Yes. It's all about the progress and proclamation of Jesus Christ. Think about this. Just in this, I bet this pastor is, if he knew that right now I was mentioning about his desire for the gospel to go out and I'm echoing the same things he was saying, what do you think he'd be doing right now? I bet he'd be like, wow, this is awesome, yeah. All the way on the other side of the planet. Look, God, you're good. And this is how it works. And the same goes if we get cancer. And it's the same that goes if a child dies. And it's the same that goes 
in all the trials that come into our life. It's about the progress of the gospel and seeing others come to Christ. Do we believe it? Do we trust him? How do we endure? The exact same way. By remembering the gospel and by living to see others come to Christ. Finally, we see by trusting in the person and work of God. Verse 11. It is a trustworthy statement. It's a faithful word. And then he gives this hymn-like thing, a poem. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Again, most commentators believe this is a Christian hymn, a poem that Paul penned. Either way, it's a beautiful glimpse of the glory of God and what he's doing in his people. This is a trustworthy statement, a statement that produces faith, a trust, a commitment in God. As we meditate on these truths, there's four of these statements of truth about God and what he's doing. First, if we, we died with him, we will also live with him. Now, the tenses of these verbs are very, very important. If we died with him, we will also live with him. That's past tense. If we died in the past with him, we will also live with him. What is Paul saying? Is he talking about future death of our physical bodies? The answer is no. He's talking about us dying with Christ at our conversion. When we were born again, when we turned from our sin, when we died to the old way of life, we now are what? Alive with Christ. We died with Christ. He died on a cross to pay for our sin. And therefore, then we are alive with Christ. And now we want to live for Him. If we died with Him at conversion, if you have been born again, if you turn from your sins and trusted in Christ, if God has given you a new heart, then the promise, then we will also live with Him. That's a promise. We live today, yes, spiritually, but one day we will also be resurrected. It's a promise. This body of death may die, but one day my body will be resurrected and I will have a glorified body because of what Christ has done. I've died with him, I'm alive with him, and the resurrection that he has, I will have. Wow. This keeps me going. How about you? I'm alive. And when my body dies, I will be resurrected and I will live a glorified body. Paul talks about this in Romans 6. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. This is a reference to when we're born again. We trust in Christ. So the past action, our conversion, our repentance and faith, the time when God rebirths us, has a future hope. 
will live. And this keeps us going. Second, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Again, now what's the tense? If we endure, it's present tense. It's what's happening right now. If we are enduring, if we are abiding under the trials and difficulties of this world, if we're hanging in there, if we're holding on tight, if we're trusting in God, if we're abiding in Him and enduring promise, we will also reign with Him. These words should shock you. Do they? We will reign with Him. You're kidding me. Christ, I get it, can rule and reign. <laughs> He's worthy of that. I'm not worthy of reigning with him, am I? No, I'm not. But in Christ, I am. By what Christ has done, all of his righteousness credited in my account, all my sins forgiven, I'm right with God and I will reign with Christ. Whoa! We will judge concerning angels? How many of you in here say, oh yeah, I'm going to reign with Jesus? Is that one that we kind of throw out there? <laughs> I mean, what was the last time you were, say, you were talking to an unbeliever? Yeah, man. Jesus rose from the dead. He's living and ruling in heaven. And one day he's coming back and I'm going to reign with him. Yeah, right. Yeah, I've seen you at work. I know how you really are. The promise isn't based on our character. It's ultimately based on the character of God. It's because of what Christ did that I will reign with him. And everybody that's a believer goes, Amen, Amen, praise God, Hallelujah, He is good. Jesus saves. Right? But then there's a warning. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Ooh. This is future tense. If we deny him. I think this is an apostasy. To turn away from God completely. To reject the glorious Lord Jesus. To stop remembering Him. Wasn't that you, that's a saved person that loses their salvation. It's a person that professes to be a Christian, but they're really not. And they reject Christ. And they don't follow Him. And they deny Him finally. Like Judas did. Now, I know in here there's probably some of you saying, wait, 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 wait. I know I've denied him before. I've, I know I haven't always believed every second of the day. And I know that when I sin, at that moment I'm definitely not trusting in him, right? Anybody? 
The next words are for you. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Those who turn, those who are repentant believers, those who are continually looking to him, those who are embracing him, have hope. We have confidence. We have joy. We have a future. We know it's great. Why? Because if we are presently faithless, that is weak and falling down, stumbling and bumbling along, he remains faithful. <laughs> That's good news. You should all be rejoicing now. There should be lots of smiles. Your unfaithfulness, you're stumbling and bumbling along. Mine too. Doesn't determine my eternity. Why? Because he's faithful. Because his character is perfect. Oh, I'm so thankful. <laughs> I'm so thankful. God is a faithful father. Can you imagine if your child messed up, you told your child to do something and they didn't do it? And they came back to you and said, Daddy, I messed up. I blew it. Can you imagine saying, Sorry, you're out of here. I'm done with you. You're no longer my child. We would never do that, would we? Anybody that believes would never do that, hopefully. But we have a father that's even more faithful than us. We have a father that loves us despite our countless sins. Does that keep you going? That keeps me going. <laughs> keeps me enduring. And that is what Paul tells Timothy as he faces persecution and trials. Hang in there by remembering the gospel, by living for others' salvation, and by trusting in the person and work of our faithful, loving Father. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for these words. So very encouraging. We love you. We thank you. We ask that you be glorified in us. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. Give us faith. We believe, help our unbelief. Help us to trust you. Help us to remember Jesus. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord.